There is no such thing as privacy online. So whatever you're going to post, just understand that the world can see that. What's shaking? This is Rick Jordan and welcome back to All In. I've got an amazing guest here today that I'm really excited about because of the Stanley Cup that was just taken this week. Dave Morenville, what's shaking? How are you? Very good. How are you? <laughs> really good. Very Man, I'm excited that you're here because we've got a lot to talk about. And uh, yeah. it's it's very timely, too, because, uh, I mean, what just happened, right? Tampa Bay just took it. That's pretty fantastic. They're, they're the better team. And they, they've been having some real stumbling blocks through the years. And that team has stayed together. And uh, that's good that they won it because those guys have been there for a long time and had some real hard, hard losses. And... Uh, now to have them win it, you know, hats off to them. They were the better team. Dallas probably went as far as they possibly could go, and they just kind of ran out of gas. So that's the way it goes. Sure. Now, we just started talking right in about hockey, right? And yeah. nobody knows why. So can you answer, <laughs> why are we talking about hockey? I grew up playing hockey uh, down by the – in, in Moorhead, Minnesota, down by the Red River we lived. We had a park there called Alm Park, and we called ourselves – the Alm Park gang, and we more or less uh, ruled the peewees and midgets all the way up to high school in our neighborhood. We had a pretty good neighborhood team that went on and won it there, so we always liked to rub it into the other guys. So anyway, it was good. It was fun. A good group of guys that just you grew up with, and I'm still friends with a lot of them, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. But you didn't just yeah. play when you were a kid. I mean, you, you carried this on throughout a lot of your life, right? Yeah, I ended up playing at Mort High School and then uh, went to a junior college and played a year and then transferred to Concordia College, and it was fun. And it's amazing here, you know, the college guys that I played with, we get together every summer and play golf, and it's just that friendship and camaraderie that you have in hockey. I think it's a small community of people, but it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger as hockey is growing. And uh, But the guys that you play with, you get to know very well, and it's you get back on the golf course and it's like you're 21 years of age with those guys. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. That eventually ended up leading into you scouting, right? Yeah. Well, I ended up going, graduating with a teaching degree then and uh, ended up going and teaching school at Fargo North high school and was the head assistant hockey coach. And after two years became the head hockey coach. And uh, we had some success there and led to another college program that I started up to NDSU club hockey team. And uh, we had some success there. And when I was coaching uh, as an assistant at Fargo North, I got hooked up in a hockey school with Herb Brooks. And he was a 1980 Olympic coach, if you didn't know. And uh, I met him in 1978. So he was the college coach then. And uh, I needed money. I mean, I was, in, I was making $18,000 a year teaching school and coaching. My God. And working. Yeah. And you just... Uh, you know, you you live literally paycheck to paycheck as a coach. And Herb was good enough and uh, liked what I worked hard and showed up on time. And uh, that was his rules and followed his beat. And I worked there for 10 years with him. Wow, man, that's awesome. That's really great. Yeah. So yeah. you were in hockey for the longest time. And did you ever really yep. get out? Uh, I probably didn't really get out until 2000. 
I helped, I've been helping other groups with scouting and seeing players and guys that I know I'll get a call from some guys that I know in the NHL. Hey, what do you think of this guy? And, you know, it's an independent, you know, I'm independent of their scouts. So they yeah. kind of like that. Here's what I think. And I'm a, I'm a hard sell on players. If that makes sense. I'm big on character, big on toughness and playing the game hard and playing the game right. You know, talent is – my wife can sit in the stands and see that that guy's pretty talented. You can, Rick, if you don't even know hockey. Oh, sure. Go, that guy's pretty good. But what makes players special are the intangibles, and the intangibles are things that help you succeed in hockey as well as life. Oh, right on. That's what I was thinking as you were saying that. It's not just hockey. It's always the right. intangibles. They're the, they're the game right. changers, you know, that, right. that mark the disruptors. It doesn't matter how good it is. Yeah, I, I never played hockey. I was a baseball guy. I played for oh. nine years. I, I was a catcher. I was really, really good in the traveling teams that I was a part of. I'm surprised I didn't yeah. go into it when I, you know, I didn't go to college. I became a successful right. entrepreneur in spite of myself, <laughs> I like wow. to say. But then, uh, but I could have because I, I was that good. You know, it was like either yeah. professional professional musician, which I ended up doing that for a long time, or professional ball player. And I ended up choosing neither. I ended up doing both of them sort of like semi-amateurish and then just yep. going after technology instead because I saw an opportunity and it was almost like a chance to be creative and just crazy all at one yep. time. But I liked yeah. it, but that's the same thing, even in business. It's always the game right. changers because I'm taking my cybersecurity company public this year. It's happening oh, in, in just a couple months. And okay. there's so many people that told me, don't do it. Being the CEO of a public company sucks. And it was like 99 people that would tell me as an entrepreneur, don't do it. Right? Same as just everybody else. But then there was one dude, one dude, and this is key for any entrepreneur, any hockey player, any other player, right? That says, I, I don't know. 99 people are telling me not to go for it. The real game changers, the ones that have the heart and the character that you're talking about, are looking for that one reason. They're looking right. for that one single reason. Be like, you know what? 99 reasons yeah. not to, but I found this one right over here this one right. reason is yep. what i'm going to hold on to and drive forward is that's the heart you're talking yep. about man you bet and you have to have i in hockey it's a passionate hard sport i mean you've got to have a little bit of you know snot and grit to you and then same in business you're going to get your nose punched a few times and uh you know it's not it's not how many times you get knocked down it's how many times you get up Right and, on. Uh, You're being kind, too. It's like nose punch, gut kicked in, right. balls kicked, ass whooped, yeah, everything. That's what. That's hockey, too. That's business. That's right. life, brother. That's life. That is life right there. It's it's all about that. And, you know, it's yeah, that's kind of uh, the way we the way I coached. And I was fortunate to have some really great guys that coach that bought into it. You know, I mean, that's a big part of it too. You can have a great idea and you can be passionate about what you're doing as a coach. And here's the way I am. And if your players are kind of giving you the, you got to get them to buy on. And it's not just your best players. It's just like in a company. And that's the way I, Herbie did that the same. Herb Brooks did that the same way. When he coached, he looked at his team as a company and you have janitors, you have, uh, yeah. you know, you the people that are working all over your company, your salesmen, everybody. And I always compared it as when I was coaching is that players that played on our team, they, everybody wanted to play all the time. They wanted all the ice time. Well, here's how you get it. You get it by achieving a bonus by scoring goals, getting assists or making things happen on the ice. And the more you do those things and you contribute, because when I did my scouting, I met a guy that was Kevin Constantine. He ended up being the NHL 
coach of the year for the San Jose Sharks. And he did a thing called video analysis. And if we would have had any brains that had anybody that knew anything about a computer, because now that is, they call it coursing now. That is a thing in the NHL. And it started about four years ago. We were doing this in 1990 and 88 doing this. And on a sheet of paper marking every time this guy touched the puck, what did he do with it? Did he turn it over? Did he turn it a scoring play? And how did we get those scoring plays? And was he a part of it? So we knew pretty much who was contributing. And that's the way I told our guys. And I said, if you're contributing, your bonus is your playing time. Just like me in a company with us, if we're selling out games and we're making money, I get bonus because of that. Yeah. But we have to be successful. And that all correlates into everything. I think by telling players and approaching it that way, they understand and it's easier for them to buy in. And also making the guys that don't play a lot important because if you don't, somebody gets hurt and you got to plug him in and he's like, oh, yeah, now, now you want me. Well, if you don't have a relationship with that guy, you, you're going to lose, you know. So it's a it's a big deal. You got to be talking to a lot of people, try to talk to them at least, you know, you can't talk to every player every day, but you try to you know, make them feel a part of it. For sure. I mean, well, that's a, I mean, if you're relating that to business too, that's client yes. relations, right? Or customer relations. You have to have yep. those touch points no matter what. Cause I, I mean, if you have clients, you're almost like a coach in that aspect, right. at least you're supposed to be, your clients right. are supposed to feel like they're being guided along this journey, this business journey, whether you're selling widgets or whether it's cybersecurity like me or, or whatever it is, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't matter. They need to feel like they're handheld, like you're there. Right. And I've been through this man because there's been times my team has just broken away from the established rhythms and we saw this right. and then you start to get even though the service being delivered is impeccable day in and day right. out all of a sudden they get this in the back and it's like you know well i don't see them very much you know i don't right. hear from them very much i don't hear from my account manager too often very important yep. for sure and they're, th they're thinking well what are they really doing for me if you're not having these touch points with your client base in a consistent basis it doesn't have right. to be every single day it just has to be consistent it has to be yeah. a rhythm that they expect i always tell my right. people it's like we're not in the business of managing it managing networks we're actually in the business of managing expectations when we do right. that that's when we have the consistency across the board and our clients love us when we do that because they know every day what to expect they know we're going to call next wednesday and the following wednesday just to check in and yep. see how things are going man I, right You've got such a wealth of experience, man. I love it. It's follow-up. It's follow-up. And one of the things that we, you know, when we pick captains, I don't pick captains. The team votes on the captains, but I talk to the team before they vote. And when we pick our captains, they come in a room, in our room and we talk to them. And I say, just so you know, I will be tougher on you two or you three than any other guys on the team. And you will be microscoped on issues that you do if you screw up. Okay. Because if I'm not tough on you, it's not really right that I'm showing favoritism to you just because you're a captain. So just be ready for that. So if I'm talking to you, you know I'm talking to you directly about something that you did. And, you know, we just, I mean, the way I look at it is that it's just like in business. When you show up to, for practice, you better be ready. You better have your gear on. Practice starts at such a time, you better be on the ice right away. If you're not, you're going to be disciplined. Same with going to classes when I was coaching college and high school. If you missed a class, you sat out. If you were late and tardy and had to go to detention, guess what? You missed practice, which meant you missed a game. Well, that's just accountability. And by having that accountability, now they buy in. They all get it. It's not like, 
oh, geez, what's going on? How come I'm sitting out? No, it's not. Everybody buys into it. We never hardly had any issues at school because of that. And no, I'm not, you know, maybe I'm old school back then because of my parents, but uh, not big in the earrings and the, the mullets and all the other things. <laughs> and, uh, so you had to kind of toe the line and we didn't have the long hair and, you know, and I always told the guys, if you come up to me and you say, hey, is my hair good enough? Then it's not good enough. Don't be asking me if it's good enough because you're trying to pass the bar and I'm not letting you pass the bar. That's and fantastic. It, so it's good. No facial hair and stuff like that. Because I think if you look good, people that support your team feel good about it. And same with your company. They're going to buy into your company. If you have a, you know, if you show up with your truck and it's got holes in it or you know, I mean, it's all dirty and stuff like that. You're not presenting a good image of your company. It's the same thing with us. We're trying to get people to come to our game and support our team. That's what it has to be like. Man, right on. I had a, I had a sales prospect. I ended up becoming a client a few years back. And you're talking about the car thing, right? Because yes. I, I did what I could. And, you know, 12 years ago, it's on my Instagram profile. I love this line. I was broke and now I'm not, you know, because yeah. I've had a transition over the past 12 years. But very early on, I picked this up a lot as far as image goes. And even though I had zero dollars, right? I, this is back when Saturn was around. Do you remember Saturn Motors? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> they, they were a division of GM and yep. I, I had a, I had a car it was an okay car it was a Pontiac Grand Am you remember Pontiac both of these are defunct oh. companies now yeah there we go back in the old days yep <laughs> it was a GT it looked nice it was red it looked fast but I'm thinking it's like here I am this amazing tech guru and I'm going to show up in this right so when I launched my business I immediately traded that in because I'm like you know what I should get like a truck and have it wrapped in my logo and everything else so that's what I did even though it was a Saturn even though it was next to nothing and the thing was only maybe an $18,000 car I spent another $5,000 right over a third of really what that car cost to actually make it look the way that I needed it to look. And I remember walking into one prospect and he's like, hey, I see your trucks all over town. I'm like, dude, it's just me. You know, I was very right. transparent yes. about it. But it was the image yes. that was presented. And then the yeah. second time I remember this, because after that, it's like as I started growing the business and I'm like, I need to step things up. Every single time I'm like, I need to reinvest. Yeah. So then I go out and I, I get a Cadillac, right? That was the big thing. It was a, it was a CTS yeah. coupe. The first year they made the CTS coupe with the yeah. sharp lines. That thing wow. turns a lot of, or it did turn a lot of heads, you know, almost as many as my Aston Martin today, you know, the Aston turns a few more heads than the Cadillac did. But as, yeah. I, as I walk into yeah. another prospect, you know, we're, we're just, we shake hands. It's like, awesome. I'm coming back for a follow-up meeting next week. We're going to get the deal done. He goes, cool. Let me walk you out, Rick. And he comes and walks me out and we're just having a great conversation. We get outside of his building and he looks at me and he goes, you know what? I appreciate you coming in today. Do you want to know why I walked you out? I'm like, because you're a nice dude. And he goes, nope, that's not why I want to see what you were driving because I don't do business with unsuccessful people and people that show up, especially in IT, in beater trucks or Hyundais that they don't care about too much. They're not the ones that I'm going to do business with because I value my multi-million dollar business and I only want somebody that's going to contribute to my success, not bring me down. Right. right. Yep. And that's the way it has to be done for sure. And that's the way we, you know, I've been very, very fortunate to have some great guys that I coach that bought into it. And, and that's, and, you know, and they're still friends. You get invited to weddings, which means a lot. I mean, like Brett Hedekin, uh, you probably don't even know who he is. He played for us at St. Cloud State, was a recruit. His first year, he hardly he played half the games, dressed half the games. He came in and he said, you know what? 
uh, I think I want to play defense. Well, I was the head recruiter for St. Cloud State and the assistant coach. And I said, we have a couple guys coming in, man. It's going to be a tough road, Brett, and we're only losing one. And I'm bringing in two. So you want to do it. Come and watch me play down in Roseville in the summer league, which was an hour away. I was down there watching kids in the summer anyway. I'll come and watch you, and we'll talk. So next thing you know, we start first couple games, he doesn't dress. Next thing you know, he starts dressing. All of a sudden, about the sixth, seventh game, he gets it. Guess what? The next year, all WCHA. The next year, the U.S. Olympic team. The next year, signs with the St. Louis Blues. Gets traded to Vancouver. They finish runner-up in the Stanley Cup. He gets married to Christy Yamaguchi and does the color commentating and played 18 years in the NHL. And to this day, I saw him down in Phoenix. I went to the game because uh, I have a press pass to get in. And I was up in the press box to see, uh, to see, I was sitting with a buddy of mine at Skulls for Ottawa, Johnny Perpich, and uh, up there. And who was doing the color con- commentating for the San Jose Sharks with Brett Hedick? And we just walk around the corner and boom, there he is. And we just caught up like old times and, Good guy has a place down here in Gull Lake, and just just a class class guy. But he knows where he came from, and his dad would go to the state tournaments and talk to him, and he'd always come over and just be very gracious of everything that you've done for him. And you know, didn't get a percentage of his contract, but at least I helped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. He bought into the image, though. Now, what, what I he, really want to know, Dave, is what happened? What, 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 how did that conversation go when some dude showed up with a mullet? You know? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, uh, it was, you wouldn't believe this. We were getting ready for a playoff game, and I played goal, okay, and played with, you know, and tra- and believe it or not, I ran Vladislav Trechiak's goalie school, okay? He came wow. to Detroit Lakes, and I was camp director. Just so you know, Vladislav Trechiak is the only player in the NHL Hall of Fame who never played in the NHL because he had so much success against the Canadians when he was playing for Russia and he was in scouting and, and everything else. And so did a lot with goaltenders. That's a sidebar. But one of our players decided before a playoff game, our starting goalie came in and he decided to shave because we had pretty short hair and he said, I'm going to do a Mohawk. And all the players were like, don't do it. You, you don't take attention to yourself and you're not, you're, you're going to get in trouble. Well, I come walking in the locker room. It's first game of the playoffs. I come walking in, I do one of these and I just kind of looked and I go into the coach's room. I said, did you see, you know, I don't want to say his name. This guy's there. <laughs> and they go, yes, we did. And what are you thinking? I said, well, he's not playing. And they're like, he's not playing. It's the playoffs. I don't care. Why is he taking focus on himself from the rest of the team? Does he think that he needs focus? He's a goalie. He's got the weirdest equipment of anybody out there. He stands out anyway, but now he has to do a Mohawk? Tough luck. So once you know it, he went in there, and we had some guys with really short hair, and he went, Yeah, <laughs> killed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic, man. <laughs> that's that's just the way it is. And because all the captains are like, don't do it. You know, they told yeah. them. And then after the game, they come up. And the other goalie, you know, could have played. And after he did all that, I thought, okay, it sent the message without making an example. And I think you have to, you know, he realized he screwed up. He came in and he apologized. And, you know, it was just, uh, you know, kids are kids. And I think as coaches, you have to understand what you were like. 
as a kid too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know? And uh, but the biggest thing with kids is just like my own kids raising them up is accountability, independence, letting them show up. Uh, you know, I, I have three girls and, uh, you know, they're all working now and doing very, very well. One lives in London, works for structure finance. She's, she's so off the charts in math. It's scary as my, when she, when she came home with her SAT scores, I looked at my wife and said, do we get the right one at the hospital? (laughs) 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 But anyway, she ends up just going to the, she was going into astrophysics, went into the Carlson business college and is doing structure finance over in London right now, got her master's degree over there, doing very, very well. And the biggest thing is just keeping kids accountable, independence, you know, hey, my wife worked also and did very, very well in her job. And uh, laundry day Sunday, if you don't bring it down, it ain't gonna get done. Right on, man. Yeah, and that's the way it is. And this, you know, being on time, curfew, and uh, they got in trouble, they knew they'd pay the piper. And that's just the way it was. And I mean, it's the school of hard knocks. And uh, like I said, uh, I told Ashley, I, I mean, you know, I've had some success and done very well, but you definitely have to work hard to achieve that. I mean, I lived in my grandparents' house in a one bedroom apartment with my mom and dad, shared the bedroom with my mom and dad and shared a bathroom with the other apartment till I was seven years of age. Wow. And at the time I didn't even know, we don't have a lot of money. I mean, it wasn't like, geez, we don't have a lot of money. But you know what? My grandfather uh, worked for the railroad. He was a boxer growing up. My dad uh, was uh, served under Patton during World War II and was in the Battle wow. of the Balls. A lot of stuff. So uh, let's just say it wasn't, uh, hey, you know, <laughs> there was a lot of hugs <laughs> and stuff like that. But there was no whooping or beatings. It just, you were, the accountability was there. Yeah. And your word meant something. And if they asked you to do something, you did it. I mean, it just, and it was out of respect. And I think you have, you don't just get respect. You have to achieve respect of, you know, being accountable of what you say and follow. And don't just say it. You got to walk it. And uh, that's very, very important for your kids to see. Uh, I feel, I mean, if you're out, sitting there, you know, when I was our youth hockey director from Moorhead, you know, we had parents there and I always had a hard time with parents that would take their kids on the road, go to a hockey game and then come back and be sitting around drinking in the drinking in the bars or drinking around. I mean, cause you're not sitting at a good example for a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old. You know I mean? It's not, I mean, I don't, to me, that's not a good example. Did I drink in front of my kids? Yes. Did I get sloppy drunk? Never, you know? So it's just, I, I think that that by setting an example, your kids understand that and get it and grow up. And hopefully your players do too, that I coached. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I, I think that accountability part being on time and being loyal to them of sticking up for them and helping them. I know I helped a lot of guys get college scholarships. And, uh, if they called me up and asked me to do something, you bet I'd do it for them. Yeah. I'd lay it on the line because they laid it on the line for me. That's awesome. You know, I, I, I'm 100% on the same side of the table as you. Is that I feel, I, I say this a lot in private conversation, but I feel that kids are really underestimated as far as their intelligence goes and also how right. much they, they pick up, how much they observe. 
you know, because right. parents in general, and I think we kind of went through the cycle. So you're talking when you were growing up, right? And then my, yeah. my parents kind of took on more of the strict mindset. You know, yeah. they, they, they were still sort of like bleed over from that because they were like baby boomers, right? And right. Then there was this uh, there was a cycle of that even kind of exists right now from what I see to where it's almost, you know, kind of like shielding your kids from everything. Right. You know, and I don't like that because at the same time, they're still picking things up. I mean, and it's stuff, you know, let's just say, I don't know, when did I learn about sex and what sex is? You know, I think back and it's I remember my dad coming to me to have the talk. Right. And I was in seventh grade and he's like, OK, well, this is on my dad. I know. You know, and he's yeah. he's like, you know, already, and he's like, all right, well, let's go get a burger. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, but the, I I remember that, and it's like, you know, if you the, your kids don't hear about it from you as a parent, they're going to hear about it from other people that you right. may not want that perspective instilled into your kids. Yeah. Uh, and my thirteen year olds, I just got them on Instagram this past week, social media for the first time. Yeah, you know? wow. and uh, there's a lot of parents like, oh my gosh, you, there, there's like two sides of the boat. It's like politics almost. You know, yeah. just complete diversification yeah. of perspectives some are like no don't ever let them on and then the others are like you know who cares just let them run free uh, and you know let them post what they want be as private as they want all of that so i told my kids i'm like listen kids you can get on but your profiles are going to be set to public because yeah. what there is and i want you to have the accountability not to me but the accountability literally to the rest of the world and understanding yeah. that there is no such thing as privacy online coming from a cybersecurity guy Anything you put out there online can be seen at some point by somebody else. So whatever you're going to post, just understand that the world can see that. And now they're jumping into social media, and I'm like, you know what? We'll do Facebook in a couple of months, but your profiles are going to be set to public because right. you're not going to hide things from other people that you don't want to be your friend and unfriend and do all this other stuff because it's socially stupid. It's not social media. It's socially stupid. It's like going right. to school and trying to physically run away from somebody that you don't want to hear your conversation when you're talking yeah. in a public setting. You know, so understand right. that when you go on social media, you're accountable literally to everybody for everything right. that you say and do. And it'll follow you, for, you know, all the way through the years of what are you doing? And we had to, you know, that was when I first started coaching, we didn't have those things. But then when we did with cell phones, I mean, we'd go on the road and, uh, I'd collect every player's cell phone and bring them into my room and shut them all off. And then because I knew that they'd be up at night doing this and doing yeah, whatever. brother, yep. So I'd collect them and put them in there and I'd give them to them in the morning. And it was always a game because they give me some of the flip phones at times, which are outdated, which at least, I mean, I went, I'm not the techiest guy in the world, but I wasn't that, that, that stupid. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I always, we have parent meetings before the season would start. And like, I always told our parents and I, and I feel you have to be a parent. Your kids don't need any more friends. They have a lot of friends. Okay. They need a parent. Nobody's being a parent except you too. So you too have to be the parent of telling him what he can and cannot do. And saying no to kids is not easy. It's not easy, yeah. but you stand up to them and say, this is the way it is. Here's when it's curfew. Here's when you should be in. And by doing that, I think by saying no, not to see you say no on everything, but you have to understand you just can't be their friend. They yeah. need an adult, a parent to tell them, what's going on especially what's going on in the world and especially like you talked about accountability and 
in social networking and stuff like that. Cause that's huge, especially for guys that want to move on and get a job, you know, later on, which hopefully they will. And that's what I always told our guys. We had guys that ended up playing in the NHL and I said, no matter when you get done playing probably 28, 30, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, not that many guys are going to be having 60, $70 million sitting in the bank when they get done playing. Very, very few that do that. Yeah, and so even more have, sad, the ones that do tend to right. tend to blow it right away, too, because they haven't yeah. had those foundations laid. We haven't had one of those players do that yet, which I can safely say. That's awesome. <laughs> houses and buy good things, property, you know, I mean, and that's buy your house, own it, take that money, put it into that. We haven't had anybody buy any weird cars yet, so, but I've done <laughs> <laughs> so anyway no Aston yeah, I mean, Martins that's just a fun thing right and I use it for marketing anyway so there we go yeah that's right buy a fun car I yep. have a fun car <laughs> that's it's awesome fun to drive. Yeah. for sure for sure yeah. I mean I, you're talking about parents and I think back to my dad and I never fully yeah. grasped this until I had to do this I remember really with my daughter just a couple years ago and he would all, he would say from time and time again you know not much I mean I could probably count them on yeah. one hand so I Rick, this really pains me to have to discipline you like this. And you, you, you could think that it's just something that parents say yeah. to throw a guilt trip on it. But you know what? When I, it was a couple years ago, my, my daughter was in theater and she got a C, you know, because my, my kids are intelligent and I don't expect straight A's, man. I just expect them to put in the best work they possibly can. And I know that their best work is not a C. I know their C can be a, their best work can be a B or an A because I know who they are. I've learned them. I know that they can accelerate and they can do everything they need to do and still get a B at least. So when she got a C and it was actually a low C, I'm like, okay, you know, now that this came back midterm, you can't be a part of theater. It's impossible. Right. And, and I mean, there were tears beyond tears, man. And when you look at that, because she's my only daughter. And I remember when she was born, you know, the only thing I could say as soon as she w was right there living, breathing, it was, just, oh, she's so pretty. She is so yeah. pretty and just captured my heart instantly. Yeah. And then carrying that into when she was an older kid, because she's 13 now, but having to do that and look at her and I still see that same face when she was a, a little baby yeah. girl and yeah. thinking you were just, you know, you've captured my heart a long time ago. And this legitimately, realistically hurts me to have to mm -hmm. discipline them in the way that is best for them. You know, and it's right. not it isn't even a physical thing. It's, a, you know, right. like a spanking or something like that. It's taking no. away something that should be earned because it was given to her in the first place. And then she's not performing yeah. in academics. And it's like you can't have one without the other. And that killed right. me. So immediately, she took it upon herself. This was amazing, man, because I'm strict. I will rarely ever shift because that's another thing that I feel parents need to do is follow through. You know, not, not mm -hmm. just be willy-nilly on things. If you say something's one way, it better just stay that way. Yep. But with this, right. man, she took initiative and emailed her teacher and said, hey, I really messed up on this midterm quiz. I know the materials. Can I have another chance, please? And I didn't know she did this. She contacted her yeah. teacher on her own because she realized what happened. And then she yeah. made it up. Her teacher said, sure, no problem. And I didn't know yeah. this. And then she came to me. She goes, Dad, look, I got an 89%. I said, that's awesome. And she goes, she goes, I'm not asking to be back in theater. I just wanted to show you because I want you to be proud of me. 
And wow. dude, my heart sank. And I'm like, you can, at that point, it's like, you can go back to theater. Go ahead. You just corrected your mistake. And that's really right. what the whole lesson is about. Yep. What discipline is, right. is teaching your kids to yep. take responsibility for themselves. And when she did that, now she can have everything she wants because she took that responsibility for herself. Responsibility for yourself is key in holding yourself accountable. I mean, we had many players. One of the coolest stories that what we had was we kid was on our team. He was, a, he was a sophomore and he was pretty good player playing on the varsity, but he was uh, just screwing around just a goofball, yeah. like to have fun and not doing it. And I knew his parents and his dad was a tough guy. I knew his mom who was just a straight, narrow person. And they, his dad came up and talked to me farmer and just said, you know, we're having a hard time getting across and he's goofing around and, you know, and, and I knew what his grades were and I knew he could do way better. So I ended up talking to him and I just laid it out. Like you just said about yourself, you know, your parents, I know your parents, I went to school with your mom. And I said, it really hurts me to be talking to you about this because they are just devastated at you not showing a care for school. And I said, do you think that when you graduate from high school and you have poor grades, you are limiting your possibilities of going other places by not having good grades. You limit the opportunities to go to other schools because people are going to look at your grades academically and say you either aren't very smart or you don't apply yourself. And that's going to affect you by applying for colleges. We ended up getting better and better. What was great about it, he ended up playing hockey at a, at a college. And after his freshman year, he quit, became a pharmacist, if you can believe that. <laughs> I mean, and now you see him. And it's just, he has kids. Uh, he, he lives in Moorhead here. I see his, he has kids the same age as my grandkids. So I see him every once in a while out at the rink and just a good guy comes over and, you know, just, yeah, he's good. And that's, that makes you feel good when something like that happens. It's just, uh, yeah, to see kids when they grow up and, you know, we've had players that I had a player that was probably one of the best players I've ever coached that could have played, would have probably ended up in the NHL and just walked away from it. Wow. He didn't want to play college hockey, and uh, he liked to hunt. And right now, uh, I'm debating about doing this. It would be a leap of faith. My wife's probably not real crazy about it, but he is a guide up in Alaska. And his mom, true story, his da mom died a couple of years ago. And I talked to him, and I said, what are you going to do? I'm going back up to Alaska, and I'm just going to get away and clear my head. Driving back from Minneapolis, my phone goes off, and it's a text. And all of a sudden, I listen, 1030 at night. So up in Alaska time, you know, it's a lot different. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at this, and it's like 20-some days after his mom died. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I call him up, and I start talking. He hardly said a word, you know, but all of a sudden, he starts talking like crazy, blah, 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 blah. And I'm saying, geez, that moose, holy buckets. And here's a guy that shot this moose, strapped it to his plane, and flew around. He crashed his plane one time and lived. And he had four bears that were trying to get him when he was stuck in that plane for like 30-some hours until they finally rescued him. And wow. he had a gun. He was stuck on the, in the plane on top. The plane was on top, survived it. But he was one of the toughest kids in fact, three guys that I coached pro were playing with him when he played juniors, and they said he was the best player on their team and walked away. And those guys went on and played in the NHL. Think about that. Wow. But, that's just, but what he did is he found his passion. What he did, Rick, is he found his passion. 
and he enjoys that even probably more. He loved hockey, don't get me wrong. Probably should have sent him to major junior where he didn't have to go to school, which would have been a smart thing to do. But he just wanted to hunt and fish and loved doing that and goes up there. And he wants me to go up there and go on a moose hunt. I mean, he tracked that moose for 22 days all by himself. 72-inch horn, Ron, that's how big it was. And he wants to take me on a moose hunt. And he goes, there'll be a lot of walking, a lot of bugs, and uh, sleeping outside. <laughs> is this so like a bucket it, list thing it, for you or something? Is that what you're thinking? Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's when, when some of your players ask you to do something yeah. and he's passionate about it, I think it would be fun. Like one side of my family, they have uh, 10 hours north of, uh, of Winnipeg, and I take a bunch of guys up there hunt fishing. And we just slaughter the fish. In fact, Ashley's husband has went up there. And, uh, yeah, they were just like, it's, I mean, if you don't catch a fish, you don't have a hook in the water. I mean, you don't even have to bait it. But it's big walleyes and big northerns, and it's just a lot of fun. And so, I, you know, we're a little outdoorsy. I don't mind it. I don't mind walking around out here in the winter when it's 40 below windshield and strapping on the gear and going across and walking around with the dog. And, yeah, just but that's how you live life. You got to experience a lot of things. Yeah. I, I, I experience things in warmer climates. That's what I prefer. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you go ahead. I mean, that's all good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not so much. I like freezing. I just like, you know, the elements it's kind of, uh, you know, I grew up here, so I'm used to the cold weather. Uh, now I'm probably getting closer to retiring to probably want to stay around by warmer climate and stuff like that. And yeah. vacation more. We do we go down to Cabo and enjoy? I mean, work hard, have fun, and play hard. You know, I mean, that's part of life. I love that, man. That's awesome. Before we yeah. shift and end, because man, we, I feel like you and I could yeah. probably talk for three hours, and I, I'm watching the time. <laughs> Not a problem. There's yeah. one thing that's really on my mind. I mean, you know, with the with the series this past week or so. You know, watching baseball, too, and just comparing the sports in this post-COVID scenario. You know, I've got to, I've got to imagine, you know, because whenever I played, too, I mean, I didn't play in huge stadiums, you know, but when I was playing ball for nine years, there was always people there. And you right. could feed off the energy, man, of everybody yep. that's there, you know. I mean, even because even when I was catching, you know, you could totally feed off it because I would taunt base runners, man. I would yep. freaking taunt yeah. them. And that would bring the crowd into it too because that's yeah. part of it it's the psychology of the game you know of right. any sport and it's got to be so different because i mean you watching baseball now on, on tv and i see all these weird stupid i'm gonna call them stupid cardboard cutouts of weirdos yeah. that are just sitting behind the plate yeah. you know and it I'm like and i hear that you know of course you can pay to have your face back there i'm, like, I'm not doing that that's the right. dumbest thing i've ever seen you know but know. with the game the, the games this past week or so how are they doing this? Because there's no noise in there whatsoever. How do they even play a series with well, with this kind of environment? Like, yeah, it was a good. It was. I'll tell you what. The NHL. I was skeptic, very, very skeptic about it. But what they did is they took Edmonton and Toronto. Those were the two sites, and they took the teams in there, and that's where you stayed, and you could not leave. And you know, when you have that many guys in that area, there's a couple of guys that tested it. And guess what? You got booted out and got quarantined. And Canada is a lot stricter for quarantine, if you don't know, on what they do up there. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I know coaches before he coaches Toronto and he had to go up there and he's from here. 
he went up there and he was up there for 14 days quarantine. But besides that, they called and checked on him and asked him where he was, what he was doing to make sure he was just going back and forth from the rink. You can wow. believe that where he was. So that's pretty tight. And that's why the NHL did such a great job. They didn't have anybody, not anybody that tested positive out of that whole crew that was there. And they made it all the way through. And the, the games were exciting. You know, it was weird. You got used to it, watching yeah. it. It was harder for the players, you know, because it's just so quiet, but you could see the momentum changes and how guys would get going and, you know, getting themselves geared up. I mean, it's 20 guys getting excited and, uh, you know, pulling together. And it was a different Stanley Cup. There's no question. I'm sure it was. <laughs> just like baseball and just like football right now. I mean, it's it's hard. Uh, I mean, they're piping in the sound of the crowd, but it's it's not the same. No, of course it's not. No, yeah, that, I'd rather just say, hey, just <laughs> I mean, just like kids, right? Just tell them how it is. You know, the, right. stop, the, stop the weird fake stuff yeah. going on. Yank out yeah. those dumb life-size cardboard cutouts because it just yeah. is what it is right now. You see that at basketball, too, you know, behind the behind the goalposts. And it, it's just, man, I, I couldn't imagine being that. That would be worse for me because, I, I don't know, are, are you a guy that walks into, like, a museum and thinks that all the art on the walls looking at you and staring at you that's what i feel like right so yeah, if, right. I, if, I, if i'm on the ice if i'm on the field if i'm on the court and i see these things i'm always yeah. looking over my shoulder man you know that's yeah. that's got to be more distracting than having nobody there and I, yeah. I and the energy factor too so yeah i mean you could see because with with television you can frame things up right to right. where it looks mostly yeah. like a normal game but for yes. the players that's what i'm thinking because i back to my days in baseball i'm thinking you know the crowd was always there and it's the psychology of it. So how do you feed off of that? You know, what do you play off of when there's no crowd? Well, I think you're playing off your pride, your teammates. And I think Tampa Bay really had something to prove. Not that Dallas didn't, but Tampa Bay had never won it. And you got to remember, I think if there's anything that would be, uh, you got to remember, these guys were quarantined for the NHL for two months. They, this was This ended here. This was two months being together and never leaving, being stuck, going to the rink and going to your hotel. And what did they have at the hotel? They had, you know, different things, bowling alley. They had golf simulators. I mean, things for these guys to do, which would be cool for about the first three weeks to a month. And then I would think it would get old. But these guys have kids. They have families, wives. Imagine how difficult and challenging that was for them. And, uh, I mean, I tell you what, I remember scouting and I covered the Olympics in Lilyhammer and then went up to Canada and <laughs> we were told we went up to Canada for a week. And after 21 days doing your laundry in Saskatoon, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get home and see my daughter's birthday. <laughs> that was, this is a long way. Yep. And you're already she's about it with sand you know so it's you're calling to hear but then you you had the opportunity to go home these guys they couldn't go home until they lost and what's interesting the goalie for the boston bruins walked away after a month and the boston bruins were one of the faves to win the stanley cup against tampa bay to make it to the stanley cup final wow and he walked away and that killed him their goalie that filled in for him. I mean, he didn't play bad, but he didn't play like the way this other goalie was, Tuka Rask. 
In fact, our dog's named Tuka because of him. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh man, I I yeah. really appreciate our conversation. You know, yeah. I, I always tell people who listen to the show, it's like, where can everyone find you? You know, because I saw that you're on LinkedIn for starters, but where where can everybody connect with you online? I'm, I oh, online. Yeah, online. My Hotmail account? or Well, no, don't like? give your email, man. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> social media, you know, or just Google you. I mean, that was that worked. Yeah. You know what I did? Yeah. <laughs> I just Googled your name and hockey after it. Actually, yeah. Google pre-filled the word hockey after your last name. <laughs> it was perfect. I mean, that's how well-known you are. That's the autocrat. That's how most people search for you. Isn't that awesome? Well, my kids was kind of funny. They said, Dad, you can be on Twitter. Don't use your name. And you can be on uh Instagram, but don't use your name, and I'm on both because I'm a creeper. So, I'll <laughs> you know, so I'll follow. Them, oh, you know? that's funny. Yeah. That's like yeah. opposite advice of what I gave my kids for Instagram, and and my son, he's like, I want to change it to this handle. I'm like, dude, no. I'm like, you ever going to be in business, or are you going to ever, you know, put your name out there as something? He goes, well, yeah, of course, I got all these plans, and I'm like, he's 13. I'm like, then you have to use your name. Don't use something weird and obscure, you know, that, that looks creeperish, that's you know. <laughs> Which guys. Are starting to know me are starting to figure out what my uh, what, who I am on Twitter but I don't tweet a lot of stuff about this I just follow it Instagram I haven't Facebook I'll do some things you know but I think Facebook is my generation more than anything I shouldn't <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean I get you, you. See, like, but that's about the way it is so yeah but that's yeah to get hold of me just get a hold on Google or go to Facebook you could find me and there we go <laughs> and I'd get a hold of you. I do. It's always funny. You always get some just, I mean, I don't know, people that what's really neat is I had a person, if you can believe this, when I was an elementary phi, elementary phi ed teacher and I taught history in the morning in elementary phi ed, we had a mom that was having a tough time and she had two kids. One was a girl, one was a boy. And uh, she came to conferences. You could tell she was at wit's end. And I said, hey, I'm not in the, I was single at the time. I'm not into the big brother program, but if you ever need a break, don't be afraid to call. I'll take your kids on a Saturday or Sunday and do whatever with them for a while, just to give you a break because her husband, her husband was gone, left, wasn't a part of their life at all. And she took, she took me up on it and I did it. And, you know, you do that for a year, a couple of years and just stayed in touch, took a bowling, didn't, you know, crazy things like that. Uh, about two years ago, about a year ago now, I guess, I all of a sudden on Facebook, I got dinged by her. Didn't even know where she was. Didn't even have a clue. Set down her name. Hey, you know, Mr. Morinville, you know, here's where I am. And we caught up on Messenger, which was really neat. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like, like I've always said, if you treat people right, people will come right back at you and treat you right too. And, uh, you're phony they'll see right through that phoniness and uh just being honest you know you uh you will never lose out by being loyal maybe you might lose out on a job or something like that but i don't think you will in the long run your loyalty will go a long way in carrying you through life and uh you know i always told our players this winning isn't normal winning and having success it's not normal. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But they don't put in the time and effort 
and they don't sacrifice and they don't do things that'll move you to the next level. So that's kind of the way I was growing. Well, I was taught and growing up. My mom was very successful as a woman back in her area. She was in advertising, did very well, was the first woman of the FM ad agency. And, uh, she was a strong woman, but it wasn't from raising dumbbells. I can tell you that. It, uh, so that's about the way it is. So she was good. And my dad worked very hard and, uh, yeah, I was just good and learned a lot from my main three guys that really helped me in coaching was obviously Herb Brooks, but Terry Shercliffe bent over backwards for me. He was an element. I coached under him my first year right out of college and before I got my job in teaching and Chuck Grillo, who was one of the head scouts for the Rangers and the San Jose Sharks and the, and the Pittsburgh Penguins and just a good guy, show up on time, do your thing and uh, you'll, you'll do well. You'll do well. That's great. Man, you've inspired me yeah. today. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you taking the time to be on, my man. Hey, no, anytime, Rick. It's good ha- good talking to you and catching up. You know, in Chicago, there's a guy that's out there. It's uh, Matt Oates, Matt and Jim Oates. I can't remember their advertisement agency that they had out there, but it's pretty big. And they have, uh, they've done very well. And the Granado family, they did Stroh's Beer back in the day. They owned a beer distributor. Oh, wow. So they're still doing it. Tony Granado is now the head coach of Wisconsin. Donnie Granado is with USA Hockey and is uh, their daughter, their sister, Cammie Granado, played in the on the U.S. Olympic team and is very successful. I think she married Ray Ferraro. And, oh, wow. Uh, nice. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that's a family that I know from Chicago. They're pretty big there and good guys. Matt Oates played for us. Just a good, tough, quality guy. Just a real heart and soul guy, you know. Got better, ended up. I remember he was playing wing and said, you're going to play center. I coach him, never played center, blah, blah, blah. You're going to play center. And he ended up getting drafted by the Blackhawks and played at Miami of Ohio. And he's an agent now doing very well with the OTA agency and just doing really good. I've sent him a lot of players that he reps and he does a quality job with those guys. That's so fun, man. I, yeah. I, I don't think our worlds intersect too much. I wish I could just send everybody your way because I, <laughs> I love your heart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just being honest and being on time and yeah. doing things. That's awesome, my man. Again, thank you, you so much. Hey. Appreciate you. you. Yeah, this has just been a treat for me today. And, yeah, uh, same here. Yeah, we're good. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.